Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and I'm here with my biz bestie and fellow printer, Jillian of Studio Soprano. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about building up a bite. And this might become a little bit of a spicy episode because there is a huge amount of debate around this subject in the letterpress community, um, most particularly on the forum and letterpress group post pages. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's there's some debate and we'll get into a little bit of that and talk about kind of, you know, some of our our personal opinions on it as well. But uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome. Hi, Mariah. <laughs> Hi. It's so great to see your face. You too, as always. I mean, we do talk every day, but it's especially fun when we get to to sign in to, to, to create our episodes. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm really excited to talk about this because... Man, I love a good controversy. <laughs> <laughs> we love a good debate. Yeah. I love a good debate. I was never in debate club, but um, I probably should have. My parents always told me I should have. I very much love to argue. And this is something that I actually feel like pretty passionate about. And I think you do too. And so it's just going to be fun. It's going to be fun yeah. to talk about it. Agreed. And there's some really relevant conversations happening about it literally right now on one of the Facebook groups that we're in. So we'll touch on kind of some of the different comments and different opinions that we've seen that we either agree with or don't necessarily agree with. But um, yeah, so um, when we're talking about a, a kiss or a bite, it's the kind of depth of impression from your form onto the paper. So we're talking about um, the physical impression the shadowy effect that you can get on letterpress and um that has a lot to do with uh what form you're printing what type of material you're printing on so we all have we've discussed it back and forth about how a soft cotton 220 pound cotton paper is gonna take a way better way deeper impression a lot easier than a thick hard packed cardstock right like those papers are going to have a huge effect on how much of a bite you're going to be able to get. And the bite is literally when you can see the impression of whatever you're printing on that paper once you're done. Even if you don't have ink on it, that's called a blind impression. Uh, <laughs> you can still see that that image or that text or whatever it is you're printing. Um, a kiss impression is traditionally the correct method. They um, That's when you're just getting the form to... Uh, very lightly kiss the top of the paper and you would most likely need to ink up your form to be able to see everything correctly. Um, That is a kiss impression. So it's very light. It's very flat. When you run your fingers over it, you're probably not going to feel too much of a difference from letter to unprinted paper. When you run your fingers over a really deep bite impression, you're going to feel every little bit of that, that form that you've printed. So at the, at its rarest form, like the actual kiss versus bite has to do with how much your form is moving into that surface of the paper. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Okay. 
I think ultimately, like, it comes down to, you know, traditional printers and those printing with type, whether it's lead type or wood type, lean kind of one side uh, of this debate. And then, quote unquote, modern printers. I mean, we use that term really lightly. Um, but mostly those people using photopolymer plates tend to lean kind of the other direction. Um, and so the real source of the debate is... Do you print so that there's a super deep impression and you sacrifice the backside of your paper with show through? Or do you print with a kiss impression and leave just a hint of an impression on the page, um, which is the more traditional route? So let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the biggest difference um, is really like it kind of starts with what you're printing. And, and you already said this, Mariah, with a like lead type or wood type, you could actually damage the type that you're using. Um, could you damage a photopolymer plate? Sure. I mean, yeah. you could damage anything. but And they do yeah, wear down. Yeah. They wear down. But yeah, like multiple, like if you're doing large runs, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but like to kiss, they're to bite into a cotton cotton sheet of paper if you're doing like a small run like a wedding invitation your photopolymer plate is probably going to be fine but smash it yes smash that shit um <laughs> but definitely lead type wood type it can be damaged and those are little pieces of history so like tread lightly with them treat them delicately love on them you know use them appropriately yeah, and and I'm sorry, I have to jump in because like yes. lead type, you if you drop a piece of lead type, it will dent it. I mean, it's that it, we all know how soft lead is, but also like with wood type, on the other end of the spectrum, that's part of its character, right? Like part of what we love about wood type is that it has that little bit of uh, graining to the wood, but also like these little bits and pieces that have been worn off over the years. Like that's what a lot of people appreciate about wood type now. So like, not saying go out and damage it by making too much of an impression, but like. Those are considerations that vary with all of the different forms that you could print. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely a huge part of the conversation. Um, yeah. Is photopolymer versus wood versus lead. Very different approaches for all three forms and very different reasoning behind yes or no, whether you do a deep impression or not based on those three things alone. Right. But then the other thing you need to consider is your actual press. And yeah. as you know, we talked to Mark about um, someone who bought a golden pearl off of him and then like very shortly after cracked a piece that you just can't like go out and find. So like you can yeah. 100% damage your press. And I do think that that's where a lot of people are stemming from when they're trying to talk us newer printers out of doing these deep impressions is that you can damage your press. So it's really important to know um, the limitations of your press, maybe know a little <clears throat> bit more about what kind of packing you're using and definitely to like tread lightly when you are pushing it into new territory. Like don't have your motor running at like full high speed yeah. when you have like seven pieces of cardstock behind your print. Totally. Good yeah, things will I likely not happen. Yeah, learning the capabilities of like your press and what you're printing on and the paper that you're using and the balance between those, whether it doesn't matter if you're trying to get a kiss impression or a big, big, deep bite, either way, you still need to learn 
how to build up to the right amount of pressure for what you're doing and what you're printing on and what you're printing with. So um, yeah, regardless of your opinion, the factors are all still relevant and you still need to know all of the limitations and the capabilities of what you're using um, to get to wherever you want to go, whether that's, you know, depending on, on your preferences there. So, um, <laughs> so this yeah. part of the conversation is relevant, no matter how you feel about the debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Different, different presses are going to handle it all differently. Like um, we talked to Brit a lot and she's even, you know, talked about it on her own platform that, they really rely on their Vandercook when they're doing very complex, uh, deep, deep impressions or multi-layered impressions because Vandercooks just have that ability. Like when you're rolling that cylinder over your plate, you're not really going to damage much or if anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I Quote guess unquote, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess maybe you could damage like lead the cylinder type, maybe or the cylinder oh, type definitely you could still damage yeah. type no matter what press you're on because lead is so soft um yeah but like as far as damaging the press like you're way less likely to damage a vandercook than a golden pearl for example and also like considering damaging a press how replaceable are those parts like finding right or getting a machined part for a Vandercook is probably going to be a little bit easier than finding a replacement significant part for a Pearl. You know, it's knowing those things are even a part of the factor as well, um, or a factor in this as well. Right. And it's worth noting that damaging lead type may not be visible to you because it may just be condensing it to the point where it's no longer type high, but that's going to make it really difficult for any other printer who comes after you to use that lead type because or you down the road yeah right yeah 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 i think you should read that uh that quote now perfect so to bring in an outside perspective i was reading through some forum posts and i saw this comment which is from 2007 so it's it's you know been <laughs> 15 years since uh they <laughs> made this comment so their opinions may have changed i don't know but i thought it was really interesting and i thought a good perspective on like the pros and cons and like, why, right? Like, so I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. The conversation was about like, how much show throw on the back of a piece of paper is okay, how much is not, etc. So this was a comment and um, by Waldwick Printing Co. I think I saw his name somewhere else, but I don't remember his first name. So I apologize. But this person says, Maybe my two cents will help. I'm a lifelong letterpressman, 30 years old now. My playpen was in the shop where I grew up and learned the biz from my father, who at 73 still works with me. It took my father and myself years to master the craft of letterpress, and one of the skills to learn was to print without impression. A few years ago, when letterpress became commercially chic again, so for everyone listening, that was, you know, in early 2000s, fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the designers, in effort to keep their clients and their portfolios happy, kept requesting that the impression get heavier and heavier. My father almost had a heart attack when he saw the deep impression, but we were a commercial shop where the point is to make a profit. And as we have no interest in selling shoes, we do what is asked of us. Now, all of our letterpress printing has heavy impression, which shows through the back and takes less skill to produce. Uh, debatable. But our clients have never been happier. My advice to all 
is to produce work that they think is beautiful and appropriate to the individual job. Amen. Historically, letterpress work was to show no impression, but as the designers say, if I wanted no impression, I would have ordered it offset. Amen. Oh, this is like, yeah, if I could not have summarized it better myself, I, this is kind of my life motto anyway, is like, you do what works for you. Do what makes you happy. If you like a super deep impression and you don't care if it shows through on the back, then do that. You know, like, great, go for it. Um, you probably don't want to use type, like that's fine, but go for it. If that makes you happy, great. Um, and I think what is really important to what he said is what's appropriate to the individual job. If you're doing a double-sided business card, it probably doesn't make sense to have a super deep impression, a big heavy bite. Like that doesn't make sense because then you're going to see it on the back and it's going to disturb what's printed on the backside. So thinking about what's appropriate to the individual job is important, but also to what you think is beautiful. Um, and also very important to what your customer is requesting. Yeah. Like right now, if a designer were to reach out to me for a letterpress job and no other discussion was had other than like, I need this A7 printed in black on 220 pound cotton and she sends me the artwork. If I were to send her back a kiss impression oh, i mean she'd ask for a refund yeah she'd ask for a refund she'd be on yelp she'd be leaving me terrible reviews my name would be like all over Slandered, the facebook groups yeah. of like don't go print with studio soprano i can't believe what they gave back to me like is this digitally I'd... printed yeah like and oh. granted there probably was a time in the early 2000s where things were being re- less be- common Letterpress was less common, but people were requesting things. And then there was a huge divide between printers who would say yes and printers who would say no. That's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining this sort of like total divide and it was crazy and chaotic and I love it. Totally. Um, But regardless of like what your personal opinion is, it ended up happening. The consumer got what they wanted because at the end of the day, that's how an economy works. The consumer gets what they want. So like – If somebody's coming to me with the expectation of like, this is what letterpress is, this is what I want, I want to make sure I deliver on that. And yes, there are 100% times where I tell my customers, what you are asking of me is physically impossible, whether it's because of the paper specs or because the job is double-sided or because their expectations are just completely unrealistic because they don't understand letterpress at all. I have no problem telling someone you're crazy. This is not possible yeah. um, in the most politest of terms. But when it just comes down to having a decent impression, that's totally possible. It's within the capabilities of my press. My press is not broken. I've been operating it for three years. There's definitely been times that it's gotten jammed because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing and I learned and I learned that's where those thresholds yeah. were. Exactly. Um, But once you understand those, like you can work within that realm. For sure. And I think that like, so what makes letterpress appealing now in this day and age is that it is not replicable by modern machinery. It is not Mm -hmm. something that you can digitally print. It is not something that you can go out and get in any other way. So what makes it quote unquote worth the price point because it is more expensive. It's not an inexpensive printing method. It's not economical for most people. What makes it so special is that you can feel the text, the image, the whatever on the paper. You can feel that impression. So, I mean, you have to think about that. And talking about like knowing what's appropriate for the job, 
most letterpress printing at this point is for super high-end stationery. It's for wedding invitations. It's not necessarily job printing in most cases. We're not making letterhead on, we're not printing books. Obviously there are exceptions to all of this, but we're not printing books on light text weight paper. We're not printing letterhead on light text weight paper. We're not doing a ton of these like massive quantities of things. We're doing smaller, higher end, luxury experience type stuff, right? Like, so those things, a deep impression is what they're after. Like if you got letterhead and it had a massive amount of like show through and you couldn't like type or write on the back, like that would obviously be a problem. But for wedding invitations on this luxe paper and that's handcrafted and made for the special occasion, a deep impression makes sense. And that's ultimately what people expect at that price point for those things. Therefore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like to me, the like – the economics just don't make sense to me of like how labor intensive letterpress is. Like there's no way to get around it. There's no one out there that is so skilled at letterpress that it's not labor intensive. Like even uh, your best, you are still putting in more effort than someone who could hit control P. You know what I mean? So it's like that labor is always going to cost money, which means the client is always going to be paying more for a letterpress job, you know, there are some people who are paying eight to $10,000 for their wedding invitations, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like, if you even just took the raw cost of how much time it takes a skill artisan to complete any letterpress job versus Mm -hmm. the amount of time it takes someone to press control P and have a modern machine just run off a print job. Those are two different extremes. And so why on earth? is someone going to pay more money for the exact same result? Like, why would you pay all this extra money to get something that is literally looks like it was run off an offset machine? So let's just look at this. Let's look at this as like people who print, for an example, for everyone else. If I had a design that I wanted printed in black text on white paper, if I had that design, why the hell would I go set up my press, purchase a plate, wait for the plates to arrive, get the ink ready, get the press inked up, get the form set up and registered and make sure everything is perfect and all the packing is just right, and then clean up the press afterwards for a kiss impression when I could literally hit print on my printer. Like, aside from the price, (laughs) why would I want that? Like, aside from saving money, like... (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a way more work? Like, and then for it to look the same, like I just, okay. All right. So I'm not trying to get like aggressive about it because I really do believe in like understanding that like the legacy of letterpress is that it was not meant to have like a big bite. It was meant to be a compression. Like it was the only print method for a while. Like it was the only way to (laughs) print books. It was the only way to print anything. So yes, when, when, it originated a hundred percent. You weren't trying to bite through the paper. You weren't trying to give it a leg up because there was nothing for it to hop over. Yeah. There was no competition. It was just Gutenberg for a long time. Um, But now there is competition. Now there is such more affordable ways to print something. And I like, okay, fair enough. A lot of modern printers cannot feed 220 pound. So like, yes, in certain situations, yeah. Um, even just doing a kiss impression is the only way you're going to get something printed on a certain material. Okay, fine. Fair totally. enough. You caught me. 
in that I literally, loophole. I literally have one of those jobs. <laughs> yeah. But, but you could also duplex anything. So like you could just run the print job on, you know, 110 pound and then duplex it up to whatever you want and then cut, cut it down from there. Like there are still ways around that with using like a modern method that honestly, if your duplexing system is really honed in, it probably is still less time to offset print something, duplex it and cut it down than it is to letterpress print it. Especially if it's like multiple colors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there. Okay. So there's exceptions to every rule. Like we always say that, like there's nothing, nothing is hard and fast. Yes or no, gray or black or white, like fine. Um, It just, it's part of this modern era of letterpress printing is the fact that what we desire from letterpress has changed. And that comes along with being able to print on photopolymer places and bases that are mostly hard to destroy. Like it's, it's part of the evolution. It's part of the process. And um, some other things that we've seen that I think really speak to this nicely, there's always a debate and um, always (laughs) some really juicy comments on Facebook groups. So if you don't, if you aren't currently a part of any letterpress Facebook groups, you know, there's a lot of information to be had there, but you definitely post things with this like acknowledgement and like this understanding that you're going to get some haters. (laughs) (laughs) But what we've seen recently is a post by somebody that we all know and love. (laughs) And it was a very firm stance on this debate. And some of the comments are actually really valuable and really great perspectives on this. And I think I don't know if you want to read it, Jillian, but I think there was one good comment that we liked about like, yeah. Do you want to read yeah. it? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to read not the entire Just comment. Section. But yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to read a little section. What I love is when people are like, I agree with you and I understand where you're coming from because we all do. We all yeah. know that there are printers who printing has run in their family. This is a legacy career for them. They were trained by their grandfathers and then they did it for their entire lives. So we totally understand that everyone who is coming to the table with an opinion has a well-formed reason for that opinion. Well, and also part of like letterpress and these historic antique pieces of equipment is that we want to preserve the art, right? Like it's, we acknowledge, Jillian and I acknowledge that there's a history and a reason behind all of this. And that is part of its charm, but it may not be appropriate for everything, right? Like we, I think we both stand firmly on the fence line of, we understand both sides and we get why you feel one way or the other. But anyway, I digress. I'll let you read the comment and then we'll get back to it. Yeah. So this to me is like this glimmer of hope whenever I see a comment like this. Um, But it said, if we want a quality of printing that we think should exist, we have to make it and do it better. That's exactly right. If we want better access, better visibility, we need to continue to contribute to making resources for new printers. I absolutely love that because a lot of the people who have experience with letterpress being um, all about the kiss impression and the skill it takes to get to a kiss impression and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of those people are now retired and they're not necessarily like, there aren't a lot of resources for us new printers to begin with. Like, yes, we have book art schools. Yes, there are sources like letterpress commons and boxcar press, but it's not it's not general enough. Like when you look at other fields, 
I mean, let's just look at calligraphy. You could go almost anywhere and take a hand lettering workshop any day of the week, right? Totally. It it is it is an industry that has like been revitalized by people loving to share knowledge and create resources and you can download workbooks that you could print out and practice. Letterpress isn't like that. And you know, there are people who are now creating resources. We're creating resources. Brit from Swell Press is creating resources. Yeah. But if people who want to carry on the traditional legacy want us to also carry on the traditional legacy, they need to be willing to teach it. You need to teach it. You need to yeah. provide more resources. You need to not just be um, shaming people on Facebook groups. I would never. Ugh. Um, yeah there's another comment that I think says this really eloquently um, and it's like you know basically the quote is much of the time the comments start off by deriding the individual for not learning properly in the first place but from whom should they learn the local printers that are out of the business I'm not sure we can raise anyone from the grave to teach them so they come here and use bad terminology and say the wrong thing and some of the most knowledgeable people will be the first to tear them down that is where I get irritated personally is like there's no reason for that, first of all. Second of yes. all, like, if you want somebody to learn the proper way, then you better be willing to teach them. Because, like, how many people have reached out to Jillian and I, like, where do I learn? Where do I find this? Where do I find that? Like, and we are actively trying to create resources, just like you mentioned, like, because the only way to share what you think is right or what you think is wrong or to help people learn what's right and wrong for themselves is to teach them. Like, Tearing people down does no good. Teaching them, building a resource, um, sharing, like, and, and that I think falls into like, like selling your press to somebody who wants to learn and like, not just trying to sell it for the most, like the most amount of dollars and shipping it across the country or selling it for parts or whatever. Like it's, there's a preservation in this, but there's also like, you have to hand off the torch. And part of that is like fostering this, like a little bit of understanding that like, it's not that they like us new printers. It's not that we don't want to learn the traditional way. It's not that we don't want to do a kiss impression, but it's not what people expect of letterpress anymore. Like the times may change. It doesn't always have to be the way it was. And Mm -hmm. there's time and place for both. Like, and I think teaching is the only way to help people like preserve the traditional methods, but also feel comfortable enough in what they know and understanding their press and how it works and the material they're printing, like we talked about and knowing all of that well enough to get whatever level of impression they want. Yeah. I have heard one of the most brilliant men who ever lived literally say the most dangerous sentence in a company is that's the way we've always done it. I hate that sentence. Most dangerous sentence. Yeah. Most dangerous sentence because you know what? Like even if you were doing it right, even if when you were doing it before, it was right for that time. It's crazy how literally time can just make something that was right wrong, which is exactly kind of how letterpress is coming. And not to say that there's right or wrong, but there's different now. Like the time now, it just makes sense to us to offer our clients what they're asking for us, which is a deep impression. And there is stuff that you need to know. And there is skill in doing that. Like, I can understand why a kiss impression is requires a lot of skill to get like, that's, that's really obvious to me, because your form, like the way that your platen and your form are meeting 
has to be so perfect that your plate is not indenting the paper anywhere, but that the ink is getting great coverage all across. But guess what? Once you have that, like needing that Threshold. perfect alignment uh, together, the parallel alignment, you need that no matter if you're just touching the paper or if you're yeah. biting it a little bit or if you're biting it a lot. Because if yeah. one edge of your plate is biting in any more than any other edge, that is still an incorrect impression, no matter how much you're biting into the paper. It's exactly. still incorrect and you still need to address it. So like the skill to get a full on even impression across your entire sheet is still a skill to be learned, no matter how deep you're going. Yeah. And I think that kind of loops back to like, when we first started talking, it's like knowing what you're printing, what form you're using, what press you're using, and its limitations is a part of the whole learning experience. And then what you choose to do with that is completely up to you, right? Like, so if you learn all about different packing materials and how they impact the impression and what type of press or like what kind of impression your press is even capable of and your print area and all of those things, once you've learned that, if you feel like getting a deep bite, go for it. If you just want to keep getting a kiss impression, go for it. Whatever you want. It's up you to do you. You do you, boo-boo. Yeah, you do you. Um, I think that like, I think that a part of what irks me about a lot of the comments and stuff is one, the initial just like wrong, like, ugh, lame. Sometimes um, in all capital letters too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much passion. That obviously irritates the shit out of me. But I also think like part of this is like, it's not that like a bite impression is wrong or that it's not requiring skill because it is, you still have to learn how to operate and ink up and register a freaking print job, which is no small task. Like it still yeah. requires a massive amount of education and understanding. And even if you're doing it in someone's opinion, someone's opinion the wrong way, it still requires a ton of learning and the art of keeping letterpress alive. Like, can we at least just all agree to appreciate that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Regardless of your stance on a kiss impression versus a fight. I want us to like all in a circle and hold hands and just <laughs> yeah. sing our praises for letterpress. Okay, yeah. so let's let's actually dive into some of the nitty gritty now that we've gotten our vent session out of the yeah, way. Yeah, now that we've um, rambled long enough. Um, now, that we, now that we've rambled long enough. So if you have an uneven impression from top to bottom or left to right on your plate, that needs to be addressed. And I think maybe this is where a lot of people get their griping from is that like, it is easier to mask an imperfect impression yeah. when you're going deeper. But sure. from someone who now, like I was just recataloging all of my jobs and I went back to the very first invitation suite I sent out and some of the detail cards legit, I could, I don't even need to measure them. You could see with your eyes how much deeper the left side was going in than yeah. the right side. So like, the bottom of the platen. Yes, yeah. the bottom of the platen was like digging into the paper. And so you can hide the imperfection a little bit more when you're biting in. But at the end of the day, if you're really looking closely at your work, you know whether or not you're getting an even impression across the board. And you should always be aiming for even impression across the board. So yep. the best way you're going to do that is with appropriate make ready. So let's just dive into the different types of materials you could be using for totally. make ready and, and how you might want to go about setting it up so that you're getting an even impression, whether it's a kiss or a bite. 
for sure. So um, I think there's, of course, there's two types of packing material. And when we say packing material, so on the platen uh, where your paper is going to go to get printed on behind that. So tinfin is the traditional uh, material. It's an oiled paper. So it has a little bit of resistance when you get ink or anything on it, you can kind of wipe it off. Um, but it is a paper. So that is the base, right? And below that, so against your flatten, and uh, so your your paper meets with a tympan, and then underneath the tympan, you can put other packing material to bring your platen up to the impression level that you want. And um, I personally, like what I have under my, uh, for my make ready, what packing material I have is gonna be different than what Jillian has because every press is a little different. And also mm -hmm. when you're printing different materials, if you're doing 110 pound paper one day and doing 220 pound paper the next day, you're gonna need to change your packing material as well. So that packing material also degrades over time. Like the amount of impressions that you make on it is going to compact that packing material slowly or quickly, depending on what you're doing with it. Um, so two types of packing material. There's soft packing material, which is like newspaper, magazine pages, things that are softer, like cotton paper. And then there's hard packing materials, which is like your super compacted, like chipboard or press board. Um, and then you have things like even cardstock, if you're looking for just a little more room. Um, mm -hmm. so there's different like thicknesses of both of those things, but there's softer packing material and harder packing material. And those two things are going to give you, I think, a distinctly different impression. Um, I think even Brit has said like, like she's said, I think, I think before, like, you know, when she looks at somebody's print job, like she can tell whether they use soft or hard packing materials. Um, mm -hmm. the soft packing material is just going to have more give which means it's going to, one, it's going to be more impacted when you're printing. So like if you print one job and use soft packing and then you change out your plate and you get ready to print, like let's say you printed the invitation and now you're getting ready to print the details card. All of a sudden you're going to have like, you might have gaps or a very noticeable like divot where your invitation design hit because your packing material has been impacted by those invitations that you printed. Um, so like that, you're probably gonna have to change soft packing way more than you would ever have to change hard packing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I change it with every job. Yeah, my soft packing. Yeah, I do too. Unless it's like, two small pieces that are not lined up. For some reason, I'm confident that they're not going to overlap or whatever. But like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, all those junk newspaper like and adverts that we get, I save every single one of those. <laughs> it goes yeah. straight into the print uh, print shop because it comes in handy. Yeah, I always get the Uline catalog and I'm like, I'm going to use every sheet of this in my press at some point yeah. in time. Yeah. Because it's really great. Yeah, I also have, um, you said you gave what your packing was, right? Well, so my packing is like, is press board. And then uh, as I get closer to the appropriate height level of what I want, like, so I have like a couple of sheets of press board just in there. And then I'll add soft packing on top of that just to give me a little softer impression, a little more bite. <laughs> and um, I'll change that out really frequently, whereas the press board is always the same. Um, I think also what you and I do that may be a little bit of a factor is that we use acetate or at least you use acetate, right? Instead yep. of tempin. Yeah. So we yeah. don't use tempin paper, which may hurt or hinder our soft like a big impression but um I use acetate and so that does kind of I would say that's like a hard packing material it's not that thick of acetate but it's right. kind of a hard packing material so it does buffer a little bit of the soft stuff that I put behind it so I don't know that um that kind of 
muddles it a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I still love my acetate. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, I'm similar. I actually, um, so I do need to have someone come in and level my platen, which this is a warning to anyone who might be new at printing. Unless you are very, very experienced, please do not dabble with your platen. Like have someone come and look at it and help you with it. Um, but I do know just from experience that the bottom edge of my platen is definitely a lot closer than my top. So my make ready is quite interesting because I, um, my platen just to start has a whole bunch of blue tape at the top of it to sort of build up that level. And I will change out that blue tape occasionally because it's not so much that it's really going to indent to the point where you can like read anything that was pressed into it. Yeah. But I do know that blue tape is going to compact over time. So um, every now and then I'll change it out, but I have the formula down and I have like markings on it and I'm like, put this many pieces here and here and here and it works. <laughs> um, so then what I try to do is um, my make ready tends to end up looking like a topography map where there's like varying levels of different thicknesses of paper to get that perfect even impression across my plate. Um, but I always try to start at the bottom and at the top with a solid sheet of paper because what I've noticed is that especially if you're going for a deeper impression, your make ready can sometimes leave an indentation on the back of yeah, your paper. That's a really great tip. So yeah. So like yeah. I if I have anything that is kind of like a crazy drop off, like different levels, which might just happen because maybe this side of your plate can just have a lot more artwork in one area than another. And that is going to need a little bit more buildup because a single letter A, like if you just have a floating letter A or a period or something mm -hmm. out in the blue, even to get a deep impression, you actually don't need a lot of packing for that just because of physics. Like totally. Your, your press is just going to close on that super easily. But right now I'm holding up a card to Mariah of a wave. <laughs> it's an illustrated wave that has like cross hatching in it and it covers like almost the entire width of an A2 card. This took a lot of finessing to get the impression to be even across that entire wave because one side is very, very thin and the other side is really large and has a lot of detail in it. So there's a lot of things about your artwork that will require packing in certain areas. The important thing is you will then want to make sure that you have a nice even sheet on top of that to yeah. make sure that all those little edges aren't transferring onto the backside of your paper. Totally. Nothing's that, worse than just seeing like a strip of a line. A line. Yeah. Right a through line. your text or whatever. Yeah. Which is very real. Like, and I do the same thing that you do in yeah. um, that single sheet of like newspaper is enough to make a difference, which is absolutely, part, which is part of the craziness of letterpress. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So if you were going for a kiss impression, you're probably going to be fine with using cardstock or chipboard or pressboard, and you won't need any of those newspaper or magazine materials because you're not going for that soft pillowy impression, right? So like you don't need right. your form to sink into something. Um, that being said, maybe somebody who prints with lead type regularly can chime in on whether or not like you might want some soft packing just to help preserve your type. I don't know if that's a thing, but it sounds like it could be a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, your kiss impression does not require that soft packing material that your right. super deep bite does. 
and it probably requires very little packing material depending yeah, on how well your press how, is calibrated yep exactly you probably don't need a topographical map um if your press is <laughs> if your platen's perfectly you. leveled and your stuff is ty- is type high you know so even if your platen is level and all that stuff fine and dandy um metal over time is still going to wear down Mm-hmm. And so your platen may actually not be like a perfectly smooth surface all the way across. And your metal base that your po- polymer plate is sitting on may no longer be a perfectly smooth surface all the way across. Um, yeah. So there's all these little factors. Then instead of saying like, oh, this press is no good because it's whatever, not flat or, <laughs> you know whatever kind of crazy things you may feel inclined to say, you could just fix that. You could just fix that with a a little bit of packing. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least you can balance it out. You know, like, um, also like my base is fairly new. It's not been like, it's remained in the chase ever since I put it in there the first time. And it's still like the edges of the base have a much deeper impression than the center of the base. It's just physics and like, it just is how it is. Like where you have a border around the edge, it's more like structurally sound. So it, there's all kinds of nuance to that, but I think ultimately like your make ready is the biggest determining factor of whether or not you're going to have a kiss impression or a super deep bite on your paper. And what you're printing on is obviously a huge factor um, and when you're building up to kind of try and get, if you, if you desire a super deep bite and you want a really deep impression, then when you're building up to that level, if you go too far, even if your press can still handle it, you'll notice that the paper will start cracking in areas where the impression is too much. So like in between yeah. a couple letters, you might see that there's a little crack in the paper. And so you'll know, like, that's how you can kind of toe the line, like, Obviously, your first concern should be like protecting your form and protecting your press because if those things get damaged, you're SOL. Doesn't if matter how deep or how light your press is. You've gone too far. Oh, like, way too far. Will, yeah. If your press will not open, you've gone too far and tread very lightly. I will say that there have been times where um, I know I'm getting really close to that point, and usually it's because the artwork is covering. A, a larger bigger area. portion of the area yeah like if you want to do a deep impression on something small it's really not that hard um but if yeah. you're doing like let's say your invitation has a border or something or there's a lot of artwork um yeah I will actually like hand turn my press I won't foot pedal it I will like hand turn it and it's I know that it's a safe enough situation for the press like it's not too much impression for it I'm doing it out of extra caution. Like I'm being protective of my press and I'm not running it at full speed to be able to get these impressions. And honestly, they look really great. There's something about running the press super slow and like letting the paper kind of just sit up against the plate for a second (laughs) that I like every time I take it out, I'm like, ooh, you are juicy. You're juicy. You're Um, fabulous. Your ink coverage is amazing. I love it. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. You golden unicorn. I also say I would also say that no matter what type of press you're operating, you should always try at least a couple of impressions without turning the motor on or starting to foot treadle it. I mean, just for safety's sake, for impression and the safety of your press as well as yourself, just you should always run 
a test print before you actually turn the press on. Um, that yeah. should be like, that should be number one. You should never just start the motor without knowing what it's going to look like. Um, right. And if you're a very new printer, I would say start with smaller, smaller artwork projects when you're like yeah. testing the lines of impression because there's a lot about your press that you need to know audibly to know yeah. if something is going wrong. And that was a mistake I made very early on is I just went straight from the moon, 220 pound paper was trying to get a really deep impression. And I'm just like going at it. And all of a sudden I heard a pin drop, like oh the actual God. pin from the pe- from the press fell out and dropped. No, thank and you. then I couldn't find it. I had no idea where it went. And like, where it belonged. <laughs> I didn't, but what I didn't realize, and now, you know, years after the fact, I can reflect on that day and there were audible sounds that I should have picked up on that gave me the indicator that something was happening Loose. and something was yeah. going wrong. But I didn't know what that sounded like. So, like, start small, get to know your press, get to know what the right ink level sounds like, get to know what the right, like, the, the clinks, the clanks that it should make. Yeah. And then you'll know when something's going wrong. <laughs> yeah. And we, so two things, we've had conversations recently, Julian and I, where I'm like, I've, I now know what the right amount of ink sounds like. Like, it sounds like a funny thing, but once you understand, you're like, oh, oh. I get it. Like, that is really like, that is totally an identifier is like, you can tell by the sound, you're like, that's too much ink, or that's not enough ink, or I can add more ink. Like, you eventually will learn that and you'll be like, oh my God, this is really a thing. People can really identify how much ink is by the sound. Like that will come. It just takes time. Yeah. And and um, I have the same thing for packing. I yeah. know the moment I've put in like even a tissue paper too much packing. Yeah. And also when you are learning, if you're starting off with something small, which is great, when you go to print something big or a twice as thick paper, remember whatever packing material you had for that small area for a 110 pound paper is probably not going to be the same for a 220 pound paper or for a larger print area. So start back at the beginning, start with the light impression and work your way back up. You should always start on the safer end and start with a light amount of make ready, yeah. like your bare minimum and then build up. You should never start with your maximum amount of packing material that you've ever used because that probably yeah. won't be too much. So you always have to kind of go back to the base and go back to like, you know, just my, just my press board, for example, and then I'll build back up that self packing material on top of it. So you never want to start with like, <laughs> with where you left off, basically, because it's probably not going to be right. <laughs> yeah, that's actually such a good thing. And, and I don't know um, if we ever plan on doing, did we already do an episode on make ready? Not Are really, not truly, okay. not like how to so, set up a press, no. You know, not to like... D- make this whole thing a spinoff on make ready but it's really important it kind of is and it's kind of important to get your bite or your kiss but I think when I first started printing I would start with a few sheets of packing already in the press but now I really do take it down to the bare minimum like I know I need one piece of press board so I always start with my one piece of press board and my um Sorry, um, I want to say vellum and it's not my acetate. So I always start with one piece of press board and my acetate and then my paper. And for 110 pound, I know the likelihood of even getting any print on that is 
slim to none, but you almost never know. And when Jillian talks about her like topographical map of make ready, she's not alone. Like there, I was just reading some of the like comments and threads the other day, and it was like asking about this paste. And I was like, what is this paste for? Tell me more about this paste that you're using for letterpress. What do you use it for? So I dove down this rabbit hole and it's like, literally they use a paste and they put a thin layer of tissue on that particular spot. So like, yeah, it's how we use our painter's tape essentially. But um, yeah, so like that is not an uncommon occurrence to have to do those things and to get the right impression. That's sometimes what you have to do. It just depends. And that's not I don't even think it's a limitation of your press individually. It's like, that's not a reflection of your press or your platen. It's just a reflection of the fact that platen forms paper. It all varies. So that is totally acceptable and okay in our books. Um, If you're using photopolymer plates, you're probably using a base. You probably went by the recommendation of the company that got that you got it from, but whatever Um, there are options. So Jillian and I actually use two different types of plates, even though we have similar presses and I use what's called a deep relief base or a deep relief uh, plate. So that material from where the form is meant to ink up, like your actual design to the base of the plate is a deeper, like it's a, it's a higher like distance than what Jillian mm-hmm. uses. So hypothetically, if you were using a super, like, let's say we're using some of that crazy, like 600 GSM paper that like, is it Mund that makes that? Or like if you're printing yeah. on like museum board, like, you'd probably want to use deep relief plates because you need that extra relief area. If you're going for yeah. a kiss impression, it doesn't matter how much that relief area is because you're not going to even dive into it. Right. Like, so that's a consideration right. too, when you're talking about a bite versus a kiss impression is what type of materials, like what type of plates you're using. Um, in addition to like just generally what type of form you're using. So something to yeah. think about as well. True, true, true. Okay. Last thing. <laughs> Wow, we really bulked this episode up somehow. Um, (laughs) So the last thing is show through on the back of the page. So we touched a little about like, you know, what's appropriate for the job. If you're doing a double-sided print, then obviously this is a whole different conversation. But every, I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like everybody uses a different amount of show through. Like how much I see on the back of my design, that's okay with me. And what you see on the back of yours, that's okay with you. It's probably different. Like, I think that's. I think that's pretty standard. I don't know. Like for that to be unique from printer to printer and even from job to job, maybe sometimes. Um, Yeah. So Mm. let's say on like a 110 pound piece of paper, like we're using the same paper essentially. um, Yeah. Like how much do you care? Like how much of a preference do you have? So if it is my own client, actually, I I will say this. I ask everyone, I ask all of my clients, whether I'm designing the work or if they're the designer and they're giving me work. I ask them what they're comfortable with seeing because I think some people still expect a really deep impression, even if they get 110 pound. But like, as soon as you start biting into that paper, you're getting show through. Um, So let's say it was a job for me. Like I am the client and the designer. I kind of, I don't really bite into 110 pound too much just enough to make it like a little bit textured, but I keep it pretty bare minimum. When I ask my other clients what they would like, if there's not supposed to be anything on the back, they usually just tell me to go for it and give it a bite. Yeah. So So I let the client lead, but if it's, if it's me, I honestly, I don't bite into 110 pound as much as I could. 
Yeah. I think that um, I err a little more on the go for it side of things, um, particularly with like invitations. Um, mm-hmm. For like, so like my store, I have like note cards and those are really popular, which is great. And they're just a simple design. It's only on one section of the card. It's not like the whole thing. So on those, I pretty much just like go for it because it's my work. If somebody doesn't like it, then that's not like, that's how I have designed it to be printed. And they are note cards. So like hypothetically, somebody might write on the other side, which like, I feel like that's fine. If they need to write over it, they can write over it. But it's also part of like what I would expect for like the layman's term for somebody to order a random letterpress note card. I would want them to see and feel that impression right like and I use a little thicker paper I use 184 pound or sometimes double thick so that's obviously different but for 110 pound which is for most people who are listening you already know but it's like your standard weight cotton cardstock which is like the basic for anything letterpress um there's double thick which is literally duplex so it's double the weight of that paper so it's 220 pound or 236 whatever um so for single ply 110 pound cotton paper it's tough it's really tough like it depends on the design I feel like most times I'm gonna get as deep of an impression as I can without like cracking the paper basically you know yeah. like that's kind of like I think we all toe that line of like I want more <laughs> impression I want just, more impression but you actually just reminded me that I completely forgot about better mail but for better mail I always go for as much as I can. And yeah. that's 110 pound folded cards. But yeah. you don't typically write on that side. Yeah, so exactly. again, unless it's not going to be. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're <laughs> me, I write on both sides. But, you know, using the same card as an example, this wave, I actually spent, you know, probably 45 minutes messing around with my packing so that I could get a really good impression across this entire wave. And it has like some cross hatching in it and there's a lot of like illustrated detail. So it took a while to get there. Um, So yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm kind of the same. I guess I am a little bit go for it. I think, I think in general going for it, learning new things about myself. (laughs) Just another episode of Hot Off the Press where Mariah and Jillian learn more about their own personalities than anything else. Uh, (laughs) Jillian thinks she knows what she does. And then Mariah's like, nah, girl. You forget I'm looking I'm looking at a wall of my cards and I'm like every single one of these is like probably borderline if I went any further the paper would crack yeah I I definitely Oops. have I don't find that 110 pound cracks that easily but 220 pound cracks really easily if you go too for far, sure um personally anyway so if you're doing an embossing 110 pound can definitely crack easily that makes sense yeah yeah that's my next project. I'm going to have you teach me when I'm when you're out here. Um, oh, yeah. I freaking love embossing. Do you want me to bring my plates? Oh, they won't work. Oh, that'd be... F- oh. I'm like, bring your base, bring your plates. <laughs> um, Not that I wouldn't, but then I found out I have the same base as you. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have the same base. The only reason I Bring the plates I anyway. Use- bring okay. the plates yeah, anyway. The only reason I use the smaller plates is uh just my type high issue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, bring the bring the embossing plates. That'd be fun. Okay, cool. Because I made the plates work before anyway, so we can do it again. Um, okay, so I hope that everyone now has a better idea of <laughs> our opinions, <laughs> obviously. But um, yeah. 
come tell us your opinions. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you because we are all for healthy debate and for difference opinions, difference in opinions. And we also see both sides of the spectrum. Like I learned how to letterpress from a teacher in a class, room full of lead type. I I understand it. I completely appreciate and value that. Um, it's not what we do every day. So it's not what we lean towards in the general sense. Um, so yeah, tell us what you think. Do you like to see like the impression on the back of the paper when you pick it up? Or do you not want to see that at all? Like, tell us, we'd love, we literally would love to know. So please share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're not following us on social media, you can chime in uh, on Instagram at hotpresspod. We will post at every episode. So you can just comment and be like, I totally agree with you. Or you guys are completely wrong. Um, and, and we will be happy to talk to you about it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. We're very polite in conversation. We only get saucy when we're just the two of us. Yeah. We have even add wine. We get saucier as you add wine. Yeah. Which makes sense. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, we, we generally are very like willing to talk about anything at all and debate it till our, we're blue in the face, but, um, between the two of us, we definitely just get fired up a lot. True, true. And in case you didn't know, we have a brand new website that we are super, super proud of. And we know we had been talking about it forever, but turns out uh, it takes a little while to put some things together. But anyway, we have a new website. It is hotoffthepresspodcast.com. You can find everything about the podcast, Mariah and I, uh, the episodes, you could get links to the episodes. If you want to share the podcast with anyone, you could just share our website. And also on there is our amazing letterpress supply guide resource. Everything that you need to stock your shop. We have direct links to vendors. We have direct links to products. We have direct links to everything that's in our shops. We love it. (laughs) And you know what? I think at some point in time within that resource um, section on our website, we will have to add a tutorial on kiss impressions just to appease our, our beloved, our beloved traditionalists. Yeah. Part of our next phase of resources is to create, um, you know, some more background information on the episodes and share things like images of a kiss impression versus a bite impression. So it is all coming. It's on the way. It just, you know, it takes a lot of time. So make sure you go buy our guide and you will fund all of the future resources that we will be creating for you. (laughs) So that you can learn the traditional method along with the quote unquote modern method. All right. That way you uh, will create that resource that's missing out there. (laughs) Yes. And knowing both is really going to help you because honestly, if you can get a really good kiss impression, then you are an amazing printer and you are going to get fabulous bite impressions. Exactly. Just saying hand in hand. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. We're so stoked to be here with you, to be sharing our letterpress love with you all. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.